We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle podcast. Uh, we are starting at an odd time today uh, due to some events coming up, but uh, join us. Our co-host TJ Inman will be along uh, with us as well. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs, and we're going to get underway shortly. First, uh, we're going to talk about media day, uh, going over what we expect to see uh, what we want answered, uh, questions uh, about the conference as well as Indiana. Uh, there have been uh, several uh, things brought to light in the last couple of days um, via kickoffs being talked about um, and uh, some other things. Uh, so join us for that, but right now I want to go over uh, some some housekeeping items. Uh, we Indiana um, – IU is doing some satellite camps in the area. They did one in Florida uh, this week, but they have some in Indy coming up on uh, Wednesday, July 27th, all around the Indy metro area. Um, So if you're a prospect or a parent of a prospect or a coach, uh, please check those out. Um, It's, you know, I believe this is the first time IU is, is holding these uh, satellite camps around the area. Uh, we're very excited about it as well uh, to see that. It should help boost uh, some in-state recruiting. Um, maybe some guys uh, from Ohio and Illinois are coming in as well, uh, but that should make for a great Wednesday next week after media day. Um, so uh, we've got that out of the way. Also, our countdown is still going on. Uh, we're day 43 today, uh, so is Damian Willis, Jr., uh, so go ahead, give that a read. We also have our preview for uh, for Rutgers out, and uh, I'll talk about Rutgers a little bit. I, I just finished watching uh, Rutgers-Wisconsin game uh, from last year. Uh, we had that game as a, as a toss-up game uh, for IU this year. It's a game they have to win uh, in order to get to bowl eligibility. Um, so uh, we we put it as IU win probability at 55%. Uh, there's reasons for that. Rutgers does have a, a lot of talent coming back uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, all those freshmen in the secondary will be uh, grown up a little bit, and that experience should pay off. But they do lose Leonte Carew, who in two games, um, not even two full games, put up five touchdowns against IU uh, in his career. So, uh, we'll be happy to see him gone on to uh, something else. So check that out. Uh, we'll also have our uh, throwback Thursday tomorrow, which will look back at the bowl game from last year, um, and as well as uh, day 42 of our countdown. Uh, so 
Give us a follow on Twitter. It's at Hoosier underscore Huddle. You can find us on Facebook as well. Uh, give us a like. Uh, you can download the podcast uh, either from our site on Blog Talk Radio uh, or look for us on iTunes. Get us and and download us weekly. Uh, we'll have lots of shows uh, coming up as well. Um, so do that. Uh, rate us on iTunes. You can rate us whatever we, uh, you want. If you don't like us, you can rate us one stars. Uh, one star. If you do like us a little bit, you can rate us three stars or two stars. Uh, and if you think we do a pretty decent job, uh, give us four or five stars. So we appreciate the feedback. Um, appreciate all the comments on the site uh, as well. Uh, we've really upped uh, up that, and we're excited for the season. So uh, TJ should be around uh, coming in shortly. Um, here are uh, some of the things I'm looking for on Media Day. Uh, Media Day uh, is coming up next week, Monday and Tuesday in Chicago. Uh, I use day. Uh, now the media day is a little different than it was in the past. Uh, they changed it up last year. Um, so this year I use going to go on Tuesday, uh, day two. Uh, Wilson takes the podium at 8:15 uh, Central Time, so 9:15 Eastern. Uh, if you're watching on TV, uh, we'll be there. Our uh, our other Hoosier Huddle com- uh, writer Alex Compton will be there as well. Uh, we'll talk to the three IU players uh, going to major Camille, Marcus Oliver, and Dan Feeney, uh, as well as Coach Wilson. Uh, so some of the questions we're going to ask TJ and I will go over uh, tonight. And uh, we're just looking forward to the – this is our official kickoff uh, of the season. If you're not excited for the football season uh, yet, it's still too far away. Uh, me, uh, media day is that unofficial – uh, kickoff of the season, uh, so we'll have that uh, we'll have that covered for you. We'll go over some questions we want answered, questions that have been answered, questions that still need to be answered. Uh, you know, most important players for IU, and we'll be putting together a primer as well uh, with our uh, all Big Ten team. Uh, we'll go three teams deep. I will also give you a, a Big Ten sleeper and a Big Ten bust. Uh, for 2016, as well as our 2016 uh, playoff pick. So lots of content uh, coming up, and uh, let's start uh, with with Media Day. Uh, Media Day is, um, you know, nothing breaking usually happens during Media Day, but it's, a, it's an event where all the conferences, coaches come together, all the media, it gives us a chance to, to talk with all the coaches, all the players from different teams, um, and, and ask them the questions that we don't get to normally ask uh, in the general setting. So we could talk to guys from Ohio State, from Wisconsin, uh, Iowa, you know, Nebraska, guys we, we don't normally talk to. So uh, it's a fun event. Uh, it's, it's something that on TV, if, if you want to watch and listen, it, it's fun to listen. You can pick up some stuff uh, and, and get to where uh, coaches are at uh, during – uh, during uh, fall camp, see see what their expectations are for the year, um, and see what the plans for the conference are going forward. Uh, as uh, the commissioner Jim Delaney will speak, uh, you'll also hear from the head of referees, uh, Bill Carollo, as well. Uh, he'll have good stuff. There's new targeting rules in place um, in terms of replay and what replay could look at and, and call now. So um, there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, there have been some some talks about eliminating the kickoff. 
as well. That's something that that might be brought up in terms of IU. Their kickoff return wasn't very good, but they do have a weapon on on the kickoff team in Griffin Oaks. So how how the different coaches see that and um, how, how will players react to that? It takes away a real weapon. It takes away a need um, at a position uh, where you, you might just now carry a field goal kicker and, and not a, a kickoff guy. Uh, so, TJ, uh, welcome to the show. I got started a little early. Um, I was probably rambling, so I, I, I'm sorry, folks. But, uh, TJ, uh, welcome. Talking media day, uh, football season is literally right around the corner. Um, how are you? I'm doing well, yeah. The uh, SEC coaches were doing their ESPN radio tours, so uh had that kind of another annual rite of passage that signifies we are uh, churning through the dog days of summer and uh, getting to the point where you can kind of realistically start to look at week one matchups. And it'd still be overanalyzing at this point, but you won't be completely crazy to do it. Yeah, and, and we are crazy. We've almost analyzed yeah. every game uh, preliminarily uh, so far. But, TJ, uh, what are the things that you're looking forward uh, or looking for in Media Day as as an IU fan um, this year? Sure, yeah. And I, I think it's important to remember that there are certainly questions we would love to have answered. We do need to be realistic about this, and we need to understand that, you know, while it'd be great to ask Kevin Wilson, um, you know, I don't know, like, who is going to be your starting quarterback on September 1st? It's like, yeah, that's a question we'd love to have answered. We think we know it's Richard Legault, but we're not sure. And Kevin Wilson is not going to tell us, yeah, my starting quarterback on September 1st is going to be X. You know, he's not going to tell us. So, uh, you know, that's not a question that we're not going to contemplate whether or not we ask at media day. Um, so, it, you know, these are questions that we're going to talk about tonight that we think are realistic ones that might get answered, might get a good answer out of the coaching staff or out of uh, out of the players that are there. And, and one of the things that I'm interested in, in hearing talked about is whether or not um, – this how the players are adapting to the 4 uh, you know, what are some things that Kevin Wilson specifically is looking for that defense to bring besides just the obvious of better results? But what are some specifics that he's looking for that defense to bring? What are some things he's going to look for during fall practice and that he saw in the spring that, uh, or during off-season workouts that, that he's encouraged by with players adapting to that defense? Um, you know, how does he feel the players are adapting to it? Uh, then you, you know, when you're asking the specific player that's there, which could be Marcus Oliver uh, for the defense, you know, what are some what are some things that he's liked about it? What are some things he's encouraged by that he's seen? You could ask, you know, the, the offensive players practicing against it. What are some things you guys saw? Um, you know, Demetri Camille and uh, Dan Feeney being there. What are some things you guys have seen that are different from the defense? So that's one of the things that I'm interested in hearing Kevin Wilson talk about is how his team overall is, number one, adapting to the defense so far and adapting to Tom Allen and Mark Hagan, the new members of the staff. And number two, how is the defense 
how confident is he that, that they're going to be ready to execute that um, 4-2-5 on September 1st against Ford International. So that's the first thing that jumps out to me. It's a little bit obvious just because it's something we've talked about so much, but uh, that's probably the first thing for me. Yeah, and and that's a hard question for coaches to, especially sure. Wilson, who yeah. doesn't really have that much access in the off season to uh, those workouts uh, as much as assistants do. But that, that's a, a very valid question. New defensive coordinator, how are guys reacting to it? And that's something probably Marcus Oliver could ask answer better um, than than Wilson. Uh, my uh, my question going forward uh, is again about defense is. What are they going to do with this defensive line? Um, you know, you, you have a lot of bodies there and some potential talent uh, with Nate Hoff and, and Ralph Green. Are are they going to tighten the rotation? Are they going to, um, especially going down to Florida, if, if Florida in September is anything like Indiana in July, it's going to be hot. Um, hot and humid and, and gross um, mm-hmm. and, and really tough to, to play only you know, six or seven guys. So at what point do, do they start looking at guys to tighten up a rotation like they do in basketball, um, those bench guys? Or, or do they, you know, start playing playing people, uh, you know, freely and, and seeing what combinations work, what doesn't work? Um, I know a lot of people are nervous about that FIU game, uh, and maybe that's something that gets asked as well is, you know, they. This is the first true road game they opened with in the Kevin Wilson era. Um, yeah. You know, how do you prepare for it? It's a Thursday night game. They haven't played a Thursday night game in a couple years. Um, you know, what's different about the travel schedule? Uh, you're going down to Miami. You have a lot of distractions down there. How does you know? How does your team deal with all of that going on? Um, and, and still deal with the heat, deal with a, a vamped up crowd, um, and deal with a, a very solid uh, FIU team and, and come out with a win. Uh, do you start playing, you know, when IU had their backs against the wall last year, uh, at the end of the year, they played very well on the road. Um, you know, they, they, they were down 21-3 at, at Maryland and could have called it quits and said, you know what, it's not our year just not going to go our way, but they, you know, so to speak, buckled the chin strap, got it back on. So, you know, it's a different team, different year, different leaders. Uh, how do they, you know, adjust to, to going on the road against uh, a team in a city with a lot of distractions? Um, it's not like going to Iowa city where you could stay 30 or 40 minutes away uh, in, in the middle of nowhere or, uh, in a hotel with no distractions, you're in Miami. There, there's lots to do and lots going on. Uh, and, and how do you keep your focus like that? So that that that's one of the questions I'd like to hear answered from from coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned rotation uh, concern to the defensive line. Um, you know, one of the rotations that I'm interested in seeing how it shakes out um, is going to be the the running back and wide receiver uh, rotation, which kind of leads into a question about tempo, um, you know, with the new quarterback. But I would be interested to hear Kevin Wilson talk, if he would talk about this at all. I certainly wouldn't expect him to, you know, reveal any 
you know, percentage of carries or anything like that. And that's not something they know at this point either. But I would be interested to hear uh, kind of what his initial thoughts are on the arsenal of weapons this offense has and the versatility that a lot of the guys have, whether or not that's going to number one, affect the uh, affect the way that he calls the games, affect the way that him and Kevin Johns uh, set out attacking, kind of do you alter your offensive plans at all to utilize the versatility of the guys that they have? You know, the guys like Devontae Williams, Mike Majet, Jason Harris, um, and the freshmen coming in with Cole Gass, Tyler Nady, uh, you know, the running backs, multitude of running backs that they have, um, especially if Camion's healthy. So you've got a lot of different weapons. So does that mean that you kind of set out with the unit and drive, put the pedal down on a drive, get into a rhythm, and then don't let the defense substitute by just keeping that same personnel and kind of switching packages because you have that ability to do so with the versatility, not substitute, but still be able to switch packages and really keep a defense on their heels. So ask him about that a little bit and ask him about how he thinks the running back distribution um, might be handled this year because there's such a deep backfield if he envisions kind of spreading the wealth there or having one or two bell cows that uh, that they rely upon. So, you know, you you wouldn't expect her there, but I, I would be interested to hear him talk about kind of the offensive philosophy and if he envisions it including or utilizing that versatility they have uh, within a lot of their skill position players. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um... – you know, what will go, this is going more into camp, what will go is picked up and how that will affect, um, you know, how fast they could go. Because all these skill position yeah. players in the line, they're veteran guys. They know the offense. Um, it won't be a lot of install um, for them. But how fast can we go go? And and that that brings up a great point, TJ, as well. You know, the Heat could work against FIU as well. If IU is going, yeah. you know, have multiple guys who can play multiple positions and really get um, the tempo going, you could wear down that defense in the second half, uh, maybe turn that game into a blowout and, and give, uh, you know, your backup quarterback some meaningful game reps um, in terms of getting uh, speed, uh, game speed reps and, and, and running that offense, so you do have quality depth behind whoever starts. Uh, we, we do expect it, you know, I suspect it's going to be Legault. Um, another question I, I, I'd have uh, for them well, is, in, is kickoff. Quick, for, real quick, in theory, yep. in theory, the depth for Indiana, you would think, and on paper it is this way, the depth for Indiana would be a strength compared to FIU. So if you could turn yes. it into a second-half battle of depth, you should have the advantage in that case. And like you said, the heat should affect both teams. I mean, it's not like Indiana's going to be training, you know, in you know 60-degree weather with no humidity. You know, they're going to be training in, you know, I mean, right now it's, I don't know what it is, outside 80 with like 250% humidity or something, like 85 and 250% humidity. Heat indexes are going to be, you know, I would imagine in the 80s and 90s, ultra at Indiana's fall camp. So, you know, they're going to, these guys are are used to humidity. So it's going to affect both teams. 
somewhat equally. So if it turns into a battle of depth, you like Indiana's chances in being a little bit better in the second half than FIU would be just because we think that the depth on this Indiana squad is better than it has been at any time in recent memory. Yeah, and, you know, another thing you could throw in there is do you prepare for a weather delay? It's Florida. It's going to rain. There might be lightning. Um, How do you mentally prepare yourself for a weather delay? Um, With that, my next question, uh, it would be on special teams. It's something that, you know, they were very good at a lot of the special team aspects last year. They were good on kickoffs. Uh, kickoff mm-hmm. coverage. Uh, they were good on field goals. Uh, they were pretty good on punts, and they were pretty good on punt returns. But the the one that sticks out like a sore thumb is kickoff returns. And you think yeah. with all the depth they have at these skill positions, they could find two or three guys who could really be game breakers uh, on kickoff return, give this offense a short field, uh, not make them have to go you know, 75, 80 yards every time, and, you know, you saw it in the middle of last year, and you saw Wilson talk about it, that every single drive was a grind for that offense, going 70 yards mm-hmm. to get points, 80 yards to get points. So do they use some of these guys coming back from knee injuries? Do they use uh, Jason Sean Harris there, who's, who's good, who's pretty good his freshman year? Um, do you use, uh, you know, Richard Fant back there, uh, even though you're thin at, at, at quality depth at corner? Um, and he's your number one guy. Uh, do you use uh, Devontae Williams who's coming off? It's Isaac James with the shoulder injury. Uh, you know, some of these guys, do you, do you put them at risk? Uh, but they do have quality guys. Do you move Mitchell Page back to kickoff return after having a, a good year uh, returning punts? So that that's mm-hmm. a place where IU can improve and improve offensively uh, and give their defense sort of a break. Uh, by setting up better field position. Instead of, you know, if that offense stalls, maybe punt in and pin them inside the 20 uh, instead of punting, you know, from your from your own 30 and giving them, them the ball at the 30 or 35. Uh, so that that's something that, you know, I asked last year. I'll ask it again this year because uh, it's, it's, it's really been a weakness over the last, uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah, I, you know, special teams is one of those things that can impact close games. It does impact close games, not just can. It absolutely does. Um, when those things that people call little things turn into big things is when the game is close. And Indiana, unfortunately, lost a lot of close games last year. Um, you know, it, it's a – IU has gotten to the point where they are able to compete against most teams on their schedule, if not all teams on their schedule, they're competing with these two people. They're competing with Ohio State. They're competing with Michigan, uh, competing with Michigan State. They're they're right there. Um, but it's one thing to be right there, and it's another to get over that hump and turn that close game that was fun into a signature win. Um, yeah, and, and, and I, that goes I would again like when... to hear – yeah, I'd, I'd just like to hear it's Coach a, Wilson talk about how you – kind of what they've worked on in the off season, what they're going to continue to work on in the off season to turn those close losses into close wins. You know, you're not going to win all the close games. That's unrealistic. It, it happens to some teams, you know, once in a 
in a in a century you get that magical season where it clicks. We're still waiting on that for Indiana, but you know it does happen where you just you're you're got the horseshoe up your butt and you're you're winning all those close games. But you would yeah, like and, to and, think that occasionally you'd win one of those against uh, a top tier team. And I'd like to hear how Indiana has kind of approached getting over that hump, if you will. Yep, and, and you see all these games where you know. Indiana's winning up until the third quarter, then the other team yeah. scores a big touchdown. And a way to get some of that momentum back is getting a big kick return out to the, you know, the 40 or, or into their territory or, you know, God forbid, returning it for a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's it's a spot in the game where, you know, it, if you're bad at it, nobody really notices. Um if you're good at it, it could win you a game or two. Um, And if you're truly awful at it, it's going to cost you a game. And Indiana is somewhere in between. They're not awful. They're just not good um, uh, on kickoff returns. But every other part of their special teams is very, very solid. Um, They have the reigning Big Ten kicker of the year in Griffin Oaks. Uh, They have Mitchell Page, who who, uh, was an all-Big Ten honorable mention, I believe, as a punt returner. Uh, and he's on mm-hmm. several of the um, on the preseason All Big Ten teams as a punt returner as well. And you know, it, it, it'll be interesting to see if he says, uh, you know, we're not going to take that many risks because we have the offense to score points, or like basically don't fumble the kickoff and we'll be okay. Um, if they take that conservative yeah. approach, or if they say, you know what, let's give our offense a little bit of a break and and get some yards and take some chances uh, and put some some guys back there because we we both know that they have so much talent back there, um, yeah. That that has speed that could be game breakers. Uh, it's a matter of you know who they want to use. Yeah, I you know the one area of special teams that we're uh, not sure about what to expect is the punting. Um, Joseph Gideon moving in there. Um, we know he's got a big leg. Consistency is going to be the question. Can he you know avoid having any shanks? Can he avoid you know having oh there's a 55 yard punt and there's a you know 30 yard punt with very little hang time. Can you avoid kind of that roller coaster? You know, we'll see. Uh, we just we don't know what to expect there. Always look good in practice. Always look good in warm ups and stuff like that. So um, we'll see about that. But that's another aspect of the special teams that uh, is a bit of an unknown. The kick returns and the and the punting is going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, another question that uh, that I would have would be it somewhat pertains to um, Kevin Wilson, but with the Big Ten coaches as a whole, I would like to see if anybody talks about and it's kind of gained momentum here just in the internet college football community, um, which you know can be kind of insular, but I, I do think it's a very interesting topic. Is kind of getting rid of division play. Uh, SB Nation worked up a uh, Bill Connolly and a couple of other people um, at SB Nation. Uh, worked up kind of a what would schedules look like? What would a, a non-division format look like for these conferences? And for the Big Ten, what would it do? For the SEC, what would it do? If you took away the divisions, 
what would these schedules look like? And it, it's really a, a, a template that I think makes all the sense in the world, uh, particularly for the schools in the Big Ten East. I'm sure the schools in the West are probably not itching to get rid of these divisions, but I'd like to see if any if any coaches had uh, had seen anything about it, what they thought about getting rid of the divisions. You'd still have some protected rivalries. Um, you know, they, they'd take care of those, and that would still be on your schedule every year. It would just, like Indiana, would not be stuck playing Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State every single year. Um, that would be on a rotation unless that was one of their protected rivalries. So I'd be interested to see if Kevin Wilson had anything to say about it, if any of the other Big Ten coaches had anything to say about kind of that, uh, the thought of not having divisions within football and, and having um, kind of more balanced schedules of what, we're, what it would work out to the biggest Issues, obviously, in the, the conference title game, you wouldn't have that automatic, okay, you win your division, you're in, into the conference title game. Um, but I'd be interested to see if anybody talked about that uh, that topic as a whole. Yeah, and then I, I read that article too, uh, TJ. It came out, I, I believe, uh, like a month or so ago. Uh, and it was a real yeah. interesting read in terms of, you know, it, it's really unbalanced. Uh, and and sure, time might change, um, but you know, to to build up some football rivalries for Indiana, they need to play some teams that you know they could beat or have a you know a, a good chance of where the series could be even. Uh, like a team like Illinois, um, yeah, it could be a nice rival. It's a border game. A team like Northwestern could be a, a you know a nice rivalry for for Indiana. Um, and stuff like that, but China, you know, one of the biggest things, you know, they have a trophy game with Michigan State, but nobody really realizes it's a rivalry game because Michigan State's won the last 10 games, or they haven't lost yeah. to Indiana since 06. I'm sure there's some gap years in there, but they haven't lost in in, in almost 10 years now, um, and that's, you know, even the, 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 late, the last NCAA football game for Xbox didn't have the brass spittoon in it and the rivalry games. They had you know, some whatever the 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 wagon wheel from Kent State Akron, but they didn't have the you know the brass platoon for a Big Ten rivalry game, um, and so you know uh, pour one out for the video they, game. Yeah, pour one out for the video game, um, which I, I really hope they bring back one day because uh, it, it's a really fun game. Um, All the players hope they bring it back podcast. too. They didn't. They didn't mean to lose their yeah. uh, their best dorm room entertainment. That that wasn't their intent, I don't think. Yeah, that, that's uh, yeah another podcast for another day. Is, is yeah. will they ever bring back the NCAA video game? Uh, hopefully so. But you know, it's it's stuff like that. You know, I'd like to see Ohio State play Nebraska and Wisconsin every year. Wisconsin, Ohio State was was heated for a while. Um, and then it kind of yeah. cooled off because they hadn't played in a while, and, and that Big Ten championship game was like a million to nothing. Um, but, you know, Ohio State-Nebraska is a good game. Ohio State-Iowa is a good game. Uh, you know, Michigan State-Iowa, Michigan State-Nebraska, I know they've, they've played recently. But, you know, having these games, you know, Penn State-Nebraska, and, and maybe seeing some of these new teams from the West as well, uh, you know, IU hasn't seen Nebraska yet, and, and this is the first year. But they also won't travel to Lincoln 
uh, until at least 2018, I believe. Um, and, you know, that's a shame because Lincoln is a, desti- a football destination. If, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, they've sold out over 450 consecutive games. I don't know the exact number, but it's a shame that IU fans don't get to travel to Lincoln to see that kind of atmosphere um, and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe that, that will work. I, I do suggest our, our listeners go, you know, Google that article uh, or, or bring it up on Twitter. Uh, we'll try and find the link uh, later for you. But it was, a, it was a good idea where I, I think each team has three rivals. And then in a two-year yep. period, you'd play everybody in the in in the conference, and that to me is yep. more fair. Um, if it turns out to be all about money, and the, you know they'll have to figure out a way to do the Big Ten championship game because there's just too much money in it to lose it um, or not play it, um, and it's a great event in Indianapolis too. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I've gone, part for the student athletes, you know, for the players is if you stay all four years, you're going to play, if it's a 14-team conference, you're going to play at every venue that the conference has to offer. So, you know, if you are an Indiana player and you are there all four years, you are going to play at the Big House. You're going to play at Nebraska. You're going to play at, you know, uh, Minnesota. You're going to play at Iowa. You're going to play at every venue and I think that's something that's cool. I mean, that's, you know, you get to experience the entire conference during your four-year career, and I think that's a cool thing, um, a little yeah, bit better it, setup than I, what they I, have right now. Yeah, and, and you know what? If they have to figure out the Big Ten championship game, let them. Um, but just playing in the Big Ten East, it's so stacked against the West right now, it's it's not even funny. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. you have you know Michigan's a good team, Michigan's, and they're going to beat up on each other, and you, you you got lucky with a good Big Ten championship game last year, but you look at at Ohio State, Wisconsin, and and some of these other games where you know maybe that's not the best matchup. Maybe you know Wisconsin's not the second best team in the Big Ten, uh, and maybe it was actually Michigan. And I know they they'll probably want to avoid a Michigan Ohio State rematch um, in, in the Big Ten championship game, but. I'd love to see the top two teams of the Big Ten going at it, and, and maybe they saw that last year um, with with Iowa and Michigan State, and that was a great game to watch. Um, the crowd was into it. Iowa was into it. You know, the, the Michigan State crowd was into it, and, and it was an awesome game. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll see. That, that could be a question for both the commissioner and all the coaches. Um, you know, what's yeah. their opinion on, on playing in a, in a stacked division? How does it and, – and how does it help playoff standings? You know, every team wants to get to the playoffs. How will that help Iowa or a team from the West um, now playing a more balanced schedule where they're like, uh, you know what, they played in the Big Ten West. They went through a weak Big Ten West. You know they don't really deserve to be on the you know in the playoff. You know you're trying now you become like a Boise State where okay, what did you do this season in the Big Ten West instead of you know, they're a really good team they knocked off some some good teams, but now it's you know okay you beat Ohio State once on one day and and that happens and we've seen it happen. Um, but, you know, I, I'd love to see it. There was another – a few years ago, I think there was another idea of just making whatever the 64 power conference teams 
um, and, and just jumbling them all together and doing random schedules and and random every year. Um, and, and I think that would be fun. Who knows? I, I, Indiana could play, you know, Oklahoma or play, you know, TCU I, and go to a lot of different places. Now, that would totally blow up my travel budget, but it would be cool to see some different games. And, and maybe you have some protected rivalries. You keep Purdue on the schedule. You keep some – some Midwest teams on the schedule like that, or, you know, you just jumble up something. Um, so, yeah, scheduling is definitely something that they need to talk about. And uh, with a, a few seconds left, TJ, I, I just want to point out that, um, you know, Big Ten Media Days, I, I wouldn't expect, you know, any – world-shattering news to come out. There might be some position right. changes, might be some roster updates uh, that we'll see, and, and we'll keep you updated. Uh, TJ, you'll be manning the, the message boards uh, as best as you can during those days. Feel free to ask us questions during it. Um, we'll post quotes, try and post videos as much as possible uh, while we're up yep. there, um, and, and we'll try to make it as interactive and as fun as possible. I know uh, this is one of the bigger days on the, the college football calendar. Yeah, any news that uh, any news that does come out, or interesting tidbits, or quotes, or anything from Kevin Wilson, or you know noteworthy stuff from the other Big Ten schools that would affect IU, uh, we'll get all that up on the message boards. We'll get it up on the site. Um, you know, we'll have our our takeaways from media day and all that. And then after that, we'll kind of reset with things we've learned and start preparing for uh, for fall camp. Yeah, and we'll have our previews going. I know other people are putting out their previews right now. Uh, we decided to wait. I want to see what we could see in practice um, and yeah. what this team brings before we, you know, we, we do all this guesswork um, on it. I, I, you know, we got an early start to our previews, but I'd really like to see. Um, I'd like to see Lego throw the ball, see for myself how much he has improved. Uh, and then we could go from there. So that's why we have delayed our um, our previews, but they will be coming out. It'll be fast and furious. Uh, so the season is 43 days away, and it's coming up fast. And th- thanks for joining us, TJ. Uh, always a pleasure uh, talking football with you. And uh, to our, our listeners and readers, Thank you for for being with us uh, throughout the off season. Your your fellowship has been awesome, uh, and we can't wait to get this season started. I absolutely agree. Yep. Have a great week, everybody. That does it for uh, this edition of the Hoosier Huddle podcast. We'll be back with you um, after media days take, uh, to talk about our takeaways. Uh, thanks, and have a great evening. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. 
a performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 